Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. We're delighted today to present another conversation with a Yarra old grammarian, a yog. This time from the class of 2015, and I'm delighted to sit down with Georgia Rogers from uh, 2015, who some, what would it be, five years ago, was uh, traipsing through the corridors, spending time in the library, out on the sports fields, doing lots of great work uh, as a chapel warden, something that is uh, near and dear to me, but also in terms of her support and counsel and wisdom on uh, for other students as they negotiated the uh, challenges and the adventures of school life. Georgia has come a long way and uh, having done very well in her VCE, has gone through a couple of different scenarios of further education uh, and work situations and some travel situations and has found her sweet spot. And we're going to unpack some of that journey as we uh, talk our way through some of the wonderful experiences and moments of school life and then the learnings that have continued even since leaving this great school. Still very connected to Yarra. Please enjoy this conversation with Georgia Rogers from the class of 2015. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. Here in this uh, episode, I get to sit down one-on-one with a Yarra old grammarian, Georgia Rogers from the class of 2015. Georgia, thanks for coming in and spending some time with us. No, that's fine. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. It's nice to be back. (laughs) Georgia, um, you started here at Yarra maybe in year seven. Yes, year seven. (laughs) Tell me, what do you remember of those early days? Was it... uh, much bigger than any experience you'd had before? Did you have come with lots of friends already? What was your kind of introduction to the school? Yeah, absolutely. It was much bigger than anything that I had ever experienced. Um, walking in on you seven, I remember lots of kids running around. Um, I came with one girl from my primary school, um, so that was really nice to have that Um, familiar face but apart from that it was pretty much starting from scratch and you know meeting new friends making them along the way but um, yeah I made that pretty easy you know we the transition was comfortable I remember our transition day with our parents there (laughs) seems like a long time ago but um, no it was it was a big day but um, also really really fun. Do you remember going on camp early in year seven was that a thing that you were experienced? Yeah, vaguely. I do uh, vaguely remember our school camp. I wasn't a big school camp person early days. I'm a homebody. So (laughs) for me, that was a huge experience out of my comfort zone. But out of all the camps, you know, we did go on a camp in primary school. The camps at Yarra was so much fun. And so probably where I made my biggest steps in, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone and whatnot. So Mm. yes. (laughs) Yeah, good. And look, I know that you are somebody who likes to... uh, keep growing and keep expanding your experiences and your learning. And so actually having to step out of your comfort zone is, is in my experience, the way, maybe the best way to do that, to, to grow. In your other experiences of school, and I know that's a broad question, <laughs> are there any other moments that you remember who I'm way out of my comfort zone here? Whether it might have been a year nine experience, maybe something up in the, in the senior school, 
for a moment where the school said, we think you should do this or this is the program. Like I know that uh, for some people going into the city for a program is a big stretch out of their comfort zone. Is there something that comes to mind for you? Oh, there's a few. Um, Probably the biggest one, and I can't remember if it was year nine or ten, but I had to make a speech at the Mm -hmm. end of year presentation night. Right, I think it was with Lockie McRae for memory, Uh and um, I just remember thinking, "Oh wow, I'm going to be speaking in front of all these people," and you know, at my parent teacher nights it was Georgia doesn't speak up enough in class so right. for me that was a huge thing stepping out of uh, my comfort zone but absolutely one of the most rewarding because you just get this sense of satisfaction when you do something and you know you previously would have thought oh wow I couldn't have done that yeah. and so that was a huge learning opportunity for me uh probably the other one was actually being um given chapel warden in year 12 mm. uh probably because I was still exploring my own faith um, and very early doors for me. Uh, And so I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to have these kids and, you know, we're going to have merge meetings and I don't know how I'm going to lead them and take them. But it was such a rewarding experience at Mm. the same time. So absolutely those two things come to mind. For sure, for sure. And one thing that I do know about you is that you understand the value and the benefit of preparing well. (laughs) I can only imagine that for that speech that you gave at the end of the year, you probably had rehearsed that a couple of times? A few times, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I was renowned for pasting things on my walls at home. Mum used to hate it. I'd put blue tack everywhere all over the walls. Before my psychology exam, I just had um, posters of things. And so whenever I had to do a speech or something like that, it would either be on the back of the toilet door or all over my bedroom wall. And I'd just sit in the middle and just look at it. (laughs) And and what is that process? Because there'll be young people listening to this and even some, some adults listening to this who at some point will need to do a speech, a presentation of some sorts, and it is not a comfort, comfortable space for lots of people. You had worked out your speech and you'd put it on the wall. Did you read it through over and over? Did you read it out loud? Did you speak in front of a mirror? Did you try and memorise it? Can you kind of talk us through that process? I always start by cutting things into cue cards okay. and then I put them up on my wall. So I always cut them into cue cards and number the cue cards. So cue cards that are word for word or a, yeah. a one word prompt? Word for word. I, okay. I'm not very good with a one word prompt, okay. um, but word for word. And then I would just read over and over and over, read it out loud to myself. I think it ha- getting to hear your own voice. That's how I um, learn things. I know when I was learning content for exams, I was the same. Yes. I almost had to teach myself the content out loud. Yeah. Uh, so that's always just worked for me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would print it out into cue cards, read it to mum and dad yeah. <laughs> um, when I was brave enough um, and just, yeah, keep reading it to myself. And I found that it became familiar uh, for me and I thought, okay, I can remember that and move on. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the process that works for me. But I think that good preparation like that is more likely to lead to a successful outcome, to, to a result that you're hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. I think preparation for me is how I find my confidence. Mm. I definitely, throughout my schooling, was I was pretty quiet early days and I did lack confidence but I always found confidence through my preparation. Mm. And so if I felt I'd prepared well for something, then I'd feel, okay, you know, I can do this. Um, So that's always been a big thing for me. Most people laugh at 
flicking through my diary and my planner, <laughs> um, but I used to take pride in that. So yeah, and you found a way that works for you. Absolutely, and everyone's different, you know. Yeah. Um, some people I admire the people who can just have one prompt on their cue cards. You know, in uni we had to do a speech, and it was way out of my comfort zone because the cue cards could literally have like three or four words on them, yeah. and uh, so. I admire people who can <laughs> prepare like that. But for me, I was always had to have it all there written out. Yeah, yeah. And really, it comes down to finding what works for you. And it sounds like you found that. And you're quite right. Different people have different strengths and different ways that is their rhythm. And once we find that rhythm, then it's a good idea to try and stay in that lane. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. Um I think I definitely found what worked for me and probably didn't stray from that. Um, I was always uh, um, draw out my mind maps, have my notes, have multiple sort of resources, but at the same time that's not always time efficient. And so I did have to throughout my schooling sort of learn okay, I'm not making the most of my time. I may have to um, change some things up. I used to handwrite everything. (laughs) And in year 11, because I used to write it all out, if I made a mistake, I'd rip the page out and I'd start Start again. again. So mum and dad looked at me and said, that's it, we're getting you a laptop. You're not handwriting anymore. (laughs) So I I did have to stray away from what I I did to probably learn what was most efficient. Um, But at the same time, you know, the preparation still remained the same. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's putting the time in, getting familiar with it, having lots of uh, information at your fingertips and then gradually condensing that down to the, the, the stuff that you really need. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. What, what an experience. So tell me then your overall um, foundation, I guess, from an academic point of view. How did Yarra um, or, or what foundation did Yarra lay for you and where has that led to? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I um, came in here and um, academics, it didn't come to me naturally, okay. uh, particularly maths. Yes. I remember, I, I don't think I passed a maths test till sort of year eight, year nine. Right. And I remember Mr. Wallace sitting with me after school at four o'clock every time we got our test results back, going through the test and um, working tirelessly um, to try and help me. And so for me, absolutely, I just grew and uh, Yarra Valley provides the opportunity to flourish, mm-hmm. um, whether it be the extra tutoring you can get or the peer support that you could have in year 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, absolutely, I found my little niche um, that was English and literature mm-hmm. and the teaching staff just, you know, Miss White, who's still here. Um, she was Miss Peoples back then. Um, but certain teachers in particular just provided me with the foundations that I needed yes. um, to then go on and find what I wanted to do post <laughs> um, school. So, yeah. And so what is that? So you've you've done finished year 12 and you did okay. You were happy reasonably with your results. And then what did that lead to? Did you have a year off? I Yeah, I, I started... Um, I started studying arts at Melbourne University six months in. Um, absolutely wasn't for me. <laughs> and so I, I ended up deferring and applying at Deakin for the course that I had always had my heart set on. I loved PE at school and so I ended up going and studying exercise sports science at Deakin and I graduated from that last year. Mm. That was an awesome course. Um, 100% recommend if you love um, the three, four and 
Um, that was really, really awesome. And um, I did commence my honours this year down at Geelong Football Club, but unfortunately due to COVID that's been discontinued and put on hold. Um, yeah. But I'm enrolled to do my master's in exercise physiology next year. Fantastic. So, yes. And you feel that you are now in your sweet spot. This is where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think definitely through your studies, you narrow it down, particularly in year 11 and 12 when selecting your subjects. Mm. But then when you go out into the big wide world and there's such a breadth of things you can do, it takes a little while. Um, But definitely in my last year of my course, I found that little niche that I loved Mm. working in. Uh, And then, you know, you can go on and do more study once you work out that. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you anticipate would be a normal day for you? Once you're practising your craft, what, what will that look like? Good question. At the moment, my whole industry is on hold a little bit, yeah. uh, but I'm hoping once I finish my master's, I'll be working in a clinic. And so hoping to see a lot of clients of uh, different health conditions, um, different ages, um, different fitness and health statuses, uh, and just trying to help them. Uh, what I'm passionate in is trying to help them move um, mm. optimally and increase their quality of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully working with a range of different clients. Um, <clears throat> so does that include an elite athlete who's trying to improve a particular uh, skill or technique? And does it also include an elderly person who might have limited movement uh, maybe they're dealing with arthritis or some challenges in their actual day-to-day movement. Is it all of that or somewhere in between? Yeah, absolutely. You can go either end of the um, spectrum. In an ideal world, I would absolutely love to work with both. Okay. Uh, I am hoping to go on and do my PhD and focus on sort of workloads in elite sport. That's where I'm really, really interested in. Yeah. Um, so um, working out what an athlete's optimal workload is and then periodizing that so you can plan their training regime to get the best out of them Mm. um, on performance day. And so that is something I'm very interested in. So in an ideal world, absolutely would love to work with both your um, not so mobile um, clients to um, those who are really fit and healthy but want to get that extra sort of 1% out of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because back in my day when I used to play competitive (laughs) sport, It was everybody just do the same. Like, yeah. But now, at, certainly at a professional level, almost everybody's got their own training program, don't they? Oh, absolutely. The science nowadays, it's yeah. moving so fast and there's so many resources to complete more research into that extra 1%. You know, every athlete's built differently. If you look at AFL, they all play different positions and even if you're in the same position, mm. some of them play it differently. Yeah. And so finding out for that athlete, how you can get them to perform optimally Mm. is something that I'm really interested in. Mm. Uh, And then obviously tailoring their training program to their goals and, you know, their position and their body shape. So, yeah. So we've talked a little bit about physical health and as a, what what was the title of your role? What would it be? An Exercise. exercise sports scientist at the moment and an exercise physiologist, a hopefully. Physi- <laughs> it sounds very complicated to me. But that is getting uh, physically the best out of your clients. In terms of elite sport or, or really just day-to-day, there's a physical component and, and obviously we're made up as, as physical creatures, but there's also a, a um, an emotional but a, also a psychological component to all of us. How much does that play into optimal performance? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I'm really passionate about, um, probably through my own wellbeing journey, but have done and continue to do so lots of research into mental health and the impact that that has on physical performance. I mean, we look at a lot of our athletes, you know, from Adam Trelaw to Glenn Maxwell, who have taken mental health leaves. Um, and it's such a you know prominent issue in society today. And even as someone who is really um, deems themselves as mentally well to be ready on the day to perform mentally and physically, in many ways, the mental aspect is actually more important than the physical aspect. Uh, and so learning, you know, gratitude, empathy, mindfulness, as they talk about in the Resilience Project, uh, is something that I take on board in my daily life. But as elite athletes, I just think it's you know, it's priceless and it's just, it, it makes up far more than the physical performance. Mm, mm. So I wonder if I can push you a little bit mm. further on the teachings of the Resilience Project and what does that actually look like for you? You, you mentioned there that you've taken them on in terms of gratitude, empathy and mindfulness. And what does that actually look like in a practical sense day to day? Like do you have habits or routines or rhythms that, you know you're better if you're doing them. Oh, uh, definitely. Okay. Uh, for me, I have probably gone a th- on a three or four year journey yeah. of trying to work out what makes me really, really happy. It sounds a little bit cheesy, I know, uh, but I got connected with the Resilience Project through you guys and then my dad is actually really good friends with Marty Heppel. So um, that's how I sort of found out about them. Uh, I've read their book, listened to podcasts, um, you know, listen to a lot about what Hugh says. And so I absolutely try to implement gratitude, empathy and mindfulness into my day. Not going to sit here and say that every day is perfect, but um, I start off my day with a few questions that I journal. Um, So I do what's going to make today great. So there'll be people who are going to write this down. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely. No, so, definitely. So you, you, you try and journal regularly. Yeah, most And definitely. you've got some set questions that you ponder every day. Yeah. And in a moment I'm going to invite you to tell us the questions. And then do you write an answer or do you just think about an answer? No, no, I write an answer. Okay, because you um, love to write. Yeah, I love to write. <laughs> and you're, um, no doubt you're handwriting this. You're not. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not on the computer. No, okay, so handwritten in a, in a hard copy journal. And there's the same question. Do you write the question and then an answer? Uh, Sometimes. um, I did start off doing that, but sometimes that, you know, you don't have time to do that. And now because it's become such a habit to me, I don't actually need to write the questions. But early days I definitely did. Okay. Um, So what's what's one of the questions? So the first one I start by writing is what's going to make today great? And I really like this question because it makes you think about what you actually want to achieve today and what, you know, I'm one of those people that gets to the end of the day and if I feel I'm productive, I can be really hard on myself. And so if I've set myself an intention for the day and, you know, what's going to make today great, it can be as simple as I'm going to have a productive day with my study or I'm going to visit my grandma today or, you know, anything from like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like that because it just does set that intention for the day. And so would you have one thing or a couple of things listed at that point? I make myself keep it to one. Right. It's so easy to go off on a tangent and write a heap of things. Yeah. But for clarity of mind, I always make sure, and, you know, everyone's different, but it just works for me to have that one intention yes. for the day. So I, I think I've done a version of this and I'm certainly guilty of starting and then 
adding all of these other things that I want to get done in the day as well. And in fact, my wife, on holidays, we get to the point where we say for each of us, everybody in our family, what's one thing that if you get this done today, if you achieve this, then you'll feel that that's been a a successful day, a, a good day. And so actually pairing it down to one gives you perhaps more chance of success. And that's a good thing. But it also helps you focus and refine yeah, there's lots of things you will do, but if I get this one most important thing done, then it's going to be a good day. Yeah, no, definitely. I find that really works for me. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and then I go on and I write three things that I'm grateful for. Okay. This is a funny one because it's something that I struggled with early days, and I think a lot of people will say the same thing. Mm. You know, you start by writing really generic things, and they mean a bit, feel a bit meaningless. Yeah. But I found, you know, from starting off with journaling three things that I'm grateful for, I now pick them up throughout the day. Mm. And I know Hugh talks about this a lot, you know, the act of using gem just in your daily life, not just when you're journaling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden you'll be sitting down and, you know, I, I try to be still throughout my day a lot and just pick up on little things. Mm. I find that helps me practice mindfulness, not just when I actually meditate, but actually when I'm, you know, at my desk working or mm. studying or, I don't know, in the car don't recommend meditating in the car, Um, but it just gives you such a clarity of mind. And before you know it, you are actually noticing the little things and going, you know, whether it's sitting down at dinner and going, I'm really grateful for the meal mum cooked me to, you know, six months down the track going, I can remember everything about that 10 minutes. You know, the dog was sitting here and mum had flowers on the table over there and you start to actually become really clear and in the moment. Wow. You mentioned just a moment ago, GEM. That, yes. That's an acronym for gratitude. Empathy and mindfulness. Which is the Resilience Project teaching. And it's a nice, easy takeaway, isn't it? We can kind of tuck that into our back pocket and mm. remember to, to be grateful, empath- have empathy and be mindful. And I love it that it's not just a practice that happens once a day, for example, but you've now done it enough that it's become part of who you are. Yeah, I... I couldn't speak highly enough of the Resilience Project and the work that they've done. Mm. Um, And just the last thing that I find ties into the gem nicely, I write in my journal a daily affirmation. Okay. Uh, This doesn't work for everyone, but for me, uh, I find that writing, and it's actually really hard to do early days, but writing something positive about yourself on paper and then carrying that through the day, I just feel really sets a positive mindset. Yeah. Um, and actually one of my friends contacted me recently and said, oh, I know, I heard you rambling on about some of this gem stuff. Could you sit down and explain it to me? So I chatted to her about it for a while and we actually now text each other an affirmation in the morning. Mm. So she'll text me one and I'll text her one back. And mm. that's a really nice thing to do with friends and it just sets your day on a good, um, you know, a productive day and yes. so there's a little bit of a accountability there yeah. with with a trusted friend and so are you able would you give us an example of of one of those affirmations and you, so you're saying something about me something about yourself that you like something you appreciate about it so can you give us an example yeah i uh, will i um actually have a book that i can recommend that I actually use for my daily affirmations sure. now. It's called Daily Mantras. Um, it's by Lisa Messenger. It's yes. a tiny little pocketbook and it's awesome. Um, and I can, I've actually got one of my 
affirmations that I really like that I've got written down. Um, and it's, I'm running my own race. And so the quote behind that is, she silently stepped out of the race that she never wanted to be in and found her own lane and proceeded to win. And I really like this, this quote because it encourages you to run your own race and to live life how you want to, not to sort of societal expectations and standards these days. Mm. There's so many competing factors and, you know, so many things to compare ourselves to these days. And so for me, I find, you know, an affirmation like that is really empowering. Mm. Um, but it can be as simple as I am I am focused today and I'm going to have a productive day with my study. You yeah. know, it can be something as simple as that. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be I look great today, <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, and, and are you aiming to have a different affirmation each day or do you sometimes have the same one that you want to sit with for a little while oh absolutely it can be right. either it can be anything yeah. um i often as i said that's one that i come back to quite a lot when i yes. need a bit of motivation to you know get going with my study or you know if i'm feeling like i've hit a bit of a lull spot mid-trimester sure. um and so absolutely, you know, you might have your 10 and a handful of favorite affirmations or it might just be the one mm. um, that really works for you. Um, often I just try to think of something that pops into mind for me in the morning. And as I said, I flick through my affirmation book. It has uh, one for every day of the year. Okay. Which I really like. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's great. So last thing about this morning routine. Do you do it in the morning? I do that in the morning and I do do my three things I'm grateful for before I go to bed as well. So a different three things perhaps. Yeah. And and it's a review of the day. What what are some things that happened today that that I'm thankful for? Yeah. Okay. Um, right. I I like that because it makes you look back and yeah. reflect on what you'd written at the start of the day yeah. and it also makes you just rethink over what was really great in today. You know, we all have really bad days or we all have really busy days especially, mm. you know, school kids. And so to be able to look back through and go Oh, actually, that was really great today. It can be as simple as a friend coming up and saying, "Hey, how are you?" Mm. Or a teacher um, saying, "You did an awesome job at your work today." Something like that. Yeah. Yes. So, last question about this this process that you go through, which has become more than a process. It's now a, a almost a lifestyle thing that 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 kind of oozes out of you, which is beautiful. In your journal, do you set aside a page? a day or do you just keep writing and it takes up and then the next day you just start where you left off and put the date and then or do you have a, a set amount of room or space or time that you practice? I don't have a set amount of space. I always do start a new page. Uh, I actually, I have two journals. So I have one for the morning and then my one at night is actually different. Uh, so my one in the morning, I try to keep that really brief and just one page. It's actually a really tiny um, little journal. Yeah. So one page, I always date it to keep me accountable. Mm -hmm. But my one in the evening, I don't have a set amount of space because often the three things I'm grateful for, I end up journaling what happened in the day as well mm. I really enjoy that as I said I love writing <laughs> so uh, I, I like the especially I've been keeping one during COVID because I thought it's really interesting to keep a journal during COVID because you know in 20 years we can look back and go yeah. wow all these things you know um, we've been playing tennis court tennis on a basketball court things like that I wanted to journal yeah. so I have the 
the two separate journals, I find that works for me. Sure. And again, needing to find a, a, a process, a way, a method that works for you. Yeah. And you didn't know that right from the beginning. You've tried a few different things. You've tried this, tried that, and now you've practised enough that you've settled in on something that, as you say, works for you. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a process of exploration and finding what works for you. You don't want some ridiculously complicated mm. uh, process that takes an hour in the morning because at the end of the day, you're not going to stick to it. Yeah. And so for me, it was finding that little routine. I think I picked it up in a podcast um, that I was listening to and and then just, you know, allowing it to just fall into your everyday routine. You yeah. don't want it to become something that... I didn't do that this morning, I forgot, and then, you know, you're hard on yourself. Yeah. You know, it just happens when it happens and some days it doesn't happen and, you know, it should never be a chore. Yes, yes. And I know that was going to be my last question about <laughs> this, but I do have another one, and that is you mentioned there you, that you're specifically writing one about this season that we're in the midst of right now because potentially in 20 years' time it'll be interesting to look back and remember what it felt like and what what you did and sort of how you passed the time and what was going on emotionally for you etc how regularly do you go back and read or look back at um because i've i too am a journaler and i've got bookshelves of journals <laughs> and a discipline i suppose or at least an interesting thing for me to do and i probably don't do it often enough is actually to go back and that's where the real value is for me, is going back and remembering those times. And once I read a little bit, it does really take me back. Yeah. And all those lessons come back again. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because I recently pulled out my travel journal from two and a half years ago now. Okay. I was over in England and I did a bit of travel in Europe and it was amazing to look back and go, oh, wow, that's I had forgotten that I did that or I can't believe I felt like that, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and so I find it a really, really fun thing to go back and look at you know, things you might have forgotten. And mm. it's also an opportunity to look at how much you've grown. Mm. You know, um, I remember reading back when I, because I wrote when I was on the plane going over there and I, I was terrified of flying over there by myself. And so looking back at how I felt compared to now, if someone said you have to pop on a flight and go overseas, obviously not during COVID. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's, it is great to look back and go, wow, that's how much I've grown. Sure, sure. And, and sometimes it's not until we do look back that we recognise. Because we're living in the moment and, and it's, there, there can be so many different things all happening and pressures and things that are impacting us, we get so busy just living <laughs> and getting through today that we forget that actually we have become somebody different than we were 12 months ago, 3 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I don't think we do enough of that. We're always so focused on got to get to this point, mm. got to get to this next point, and we never take the time to actually pause and stop and go, yeah, but wow, look where I was even just yesterday or, yeah. you know, look at what I've achieved in just this small amount of time. And it might only be the smallest thing you might have just worked out the correct structure for an essay or, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it's taken you that long to do that, but hey, you've, you've achieved that. And yeah. so it's really important that self-reflection to be able to, you know, not just focus on the next goal, but to actually pause and look back. Yes. Speaking with Georgia Rogers from the class of 2015, and one thing just to add to that about the idea and 
the reality that many people do set goals, they do have something that we're looking forward to. But often we, we might say, oh, I want to be able to um, improve my golf swing. I want to be able to be an author. I want to be able to uh, do 25 push-ups. I want to be able to run a marathon. But the reality is you can't just decide today I want to run a marathon and tomorrow go and run a marathon. <laughs> it's a series of growth and development and progress and that requires commitment and dedication and almost a plan to be able to be an author you know you've got to write a little bit every day in order to get there if you want to be a marathon runner then you've got to train for that what are you training for at the moment at the moment um a few different things uh i still love my tennis and so whilst that is on pause at the moment i'm still um training as much as i can uh, to prepare for our pennant season. So okay. uh, tennis is something that's a huge part of my life. Um, but second to that, I've got a few things going on. Um, obviously preparing for my study, which I am going to pick up again in trimester two. And so just trying to make sure that I am ready for when mm-hmm. that all starts up. Um, but then on the other side, I am very, very passionate about health and well-being. And so I'm trying to create a little project on the side. I've been doing some mind maps and some planning and things like that as to how I could make this dream sort of wellness center that I have in my head come true. I have a passion to work with young kids and, you know, possibly going to schools and chat about well-being because I think as I've touched upon, you can probably tell um, with Gem and things like that, it's something that I think is just so important. You know, we study so hard every you know kid has that thing that they work towards and work really hard towards but at the same time we need to look after our mental well-being and so that is something that I'm doing a lot of research into at the moment and yeah I'm very very passionate about. Mm, That's exciting that's exciting. So that you alluded in the midst of that to tennis and I want to talk a little bit about coming back to school and co-curricular. Yeah. Now, I imagine you spent a fair bit of time on the tennis courts. <laughs> In addition to that, what other things kind of, how did you spend your time outside of the classroom? Yeah, one thing that I did try to do was get involved in as much as possible. And I couldn't recommend that highly enough, especially if you are really academically driven. Having the co-curricular is so important to break up your study day. And for me, it was a great release. I was involved in choir, not a very good singer. I used to lip sing, but I just like this. (laughs) I shouldn't admit that. There's a little confession there, isn't there? (laughs) But I really liked the social uh, connection um, through choir. Um, tennis, um, obviously was involved in Merge as a chapel warden. Um, I tried to do some volunteer stuff whenever that opportunity came up. Uh, there was a opportunity and I don't know if they still run it, but I'm reading, um, with refugees. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was something I really, really enjoyed. Uh, oh my goodness. Trying to think back at things that I did. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Probably the sport program for me was where I got most of my co-curricular obviously absolutely love sport uh so that definitely with cross-country swimming anything I could get involved in sure was there a whether you were performing honestly or not (laughs) (laughs) or maybe you were in the audience is there a a musical or a performance or a drama that you remember as a and it might be a scene or a moment or the um the, the first time the curtain opened or was there a, a moment, for example, in our 
PAC, that was a memorable moment for you? Yes, I remember a couple. Okay. <laughs> One was, and I don't know if you do it, but we do house performance, yes. house performing arts, and I was a tree. Uh, so <laughs> a, a very fine tree, no doubt. Yes, absolutely. So I was a tree. And I do remember now, this is embarrassing to say, I'm pretty sure it was Annie. Pretty sure. Um, but I remember the, I was the musical. The musical okay, and I could yeah. be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Annie and I was an orphan of some description. Right. So I do remember not a very good one because I'm not a very good singer or dancer. But, but you were out there having a go. Yes. You, you are the second person that I've asked that question to who has recalled them being a tree. <laughs> It's a very important role. Yes, it is. Well, I thought it was an important <laughs> role at the time. So, but That's no, I, I do recommend, and as you know, singing and dancing was not something that was came to me naturally whatsoever, but just getting involved, it meant that I got to get connected with a different social group of people. And I think that that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. During your... Um, time on the tennis courts, you had some success and you played and continue, uh, you stretched and challenged and, and performed really, really well. Um, I imagine, and I used to play tennis a little bit many, many years ago, but I didn't always get it in. I didn't always get that <laughs> cracking serve, swinging out to the backhand side. It didn't always land. So I wonder whether you might talk to us, whether it's a sporting experience or um, academically or, or socially even, where things didn't quite go according to plan. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a moment, but more how do you deal with that? And dare I say failure, where things don't work, what do you do? Yeah, but most of the time on the tennis court it does fail. I mean, when you really okay. think about how many points you play in a match, um, most of the time you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. That was probably the biggest learning lesson for me. And I actually recently sat down with my dad and had a chat because obviously I'm still very young, but turning 24 um, next year. And so, you know, I sat down with dad and said, the next phase of me for my tennis is just making sure that I really enjoy mm. the next um, few years, whatever they hold and um, whether there's wins or losses or whatever it is. And so that's the biggest thing that I can suggest to people with their sport. It's something I wish I actually, you know, your parents always tell you, but, you know, don't worry about if you lose, you know, move on from it. But you never understand it as a young kid when you've got a goal and you're striving towards it, whether it's academics, you know, I was very much the same with my academics. So, you know, I couldn't encourage people more to take that pressure off themselves. And my dad's always said, just enjoy the process, mm. you know, focus on the process, not the end outcome. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I wish I had have known when I was in year nine, year 10, year 11, uh, to just focus on that process, whether it's the process of, you know, a maths equation or, you know, whether you're learning French or um, on the sporting court, you know, you're going to make mistakes and mm. that's just part of the process. <laughs> Who would have thought Dad knew what he was talking about? I know. <laughs> <laughs> a shout-out to all of the dads, I reckon, and mums too, of course. There's uh, Obviously our, our parents have a, a big influence on us and family life. While it looks different for everybody and we're all in the midst of our own version and our own story of what that looks like and what we come home to, what's next for you? Like if everything goes really well, let's say five years down the track, what does life look like in five years' time, do you think? 
Good question. Uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping that I will have finished my master's in exercise physiology. Congratulations. So, oh, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I'd love to be um, doing my PhD. It's something that I have my heart set on doing. Uh, I'm a little bit of a nerd, self-confession. So I, I love learning, love researching, and I just think there's so much to learn and the science out there these days. Um, yes. yeah, there's, it's constantly changing and evolving. And so for me... Um, that is, you know, work life. I'm getting married next year. So you're getting that, married. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> so, so tell me who that might be somebody that some people <laughs> in our school community and our yog community recognize. Uh, it's a Sammy Harper. Sammy. And so we started dating in school in year 11. So we've been together for six years now. And so we are getting married next year. We're recently engaged. And so for me, that's probably family life, um, mm. hopefully down um, in you know, in five years' time. And so that's something that's very exciting. Mm. Um, but apart from that, uh, you know, I'm hoping that still playing tennis, um, yep. still continuing to learn as much as possible and spend time with friends and family. Fantastic. That is that is really exciting. <laughs> um, and so on behalf of everybody at Yarra, congratulations <laughs> to you both. That's Thank wonderful. You. Um, what is your connection with the Yarra community today in terms of, um, you know, Yarra spirit is something that we talk a lot about. Do you still have contact with people? Are you still involved? What's your connection with the school nowadays? Yeah, well, I couldn't escape it if I tried. I mean, my mum still works here. Um, Sam's mum, Fee, still, well, Mrs Harper still works here. Uh, but it's really great because um, we still get emails from the Yarra Old Grammarians with opportunities to get involved mm. where possible. Still absolutely connect with people and friends from Yarra. It's, you know, we were supposed to have our five-year reunion this year, but that mm. didn't happen because of COVID. So hopefully... Um, we get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, still connected as much as possible, mm. um, seeing friends and, Excellent, yeah. excellent. I've got uh, a series of questions now that, that sort of uh, are going to be almost quick fire. Okay. So almost the, the <laughs> first thing that pops into your mind and, and we I might pause and we'll talk about some of them a little bit, but just the first thing and hopefully some of them are front of mind. And others, you might have to dig a bit deeper. But tell us a little bit. Firstly, um, what house were you in? Oh, plumber. In plumber? plumber. Okay. And were plumber any good in your day? (laughs) No. No, we never won anything. Actually, I think we won the House Performing Arts one year, but I was a tree, so (laughs) can't say I contributed too much. (laughs) When you were coming to school daily, what was travel like? Where Where did you come from? How did you get here? I was very lucky mum worked here and so uh, mum would bring me to school, take me home and if she had a meeting late then I'd catch the bus to Forest Hill College from Mm -hmm. the school bus and then dad who works at Forest Hill would take me home. Okay, very good. What would be a regular thing that we would find in your lunchbox while you were at school? Probably an apple. Okay. <laughs> yes, apple. Love. I love apples. Otherwise, my mum's an amazing cook. She would make me things like rice paper rolls. Um, but yeah, probably an apple. <laughs> More than likely, this would have been after leaving school. But what was your first car? Oh, a uh, Hyundai i20. Okay. And still got Herbie. 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 Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, is there a memorable place at Yarra? Where was a spot that you liked to hang out? <laughs> most would say I hung out at the library most of the time <laughs> by the printer. I would be known for um, binding my folders. We used to be able to bind our folders in the library, so you would find me there a lot of the time. Okay. Otherwise, the sports complex. Was sure, <laughs> yep. Um, 
Would you prefer house swimming or house aths? Oh, house aths. Definitely? Yes, definitely. Right. Because? Yes. I love swimming. Absolutely love it. But I would prefer to run if I had to compete. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a very fast swimmer. <laughs> very good. Is there a travel destination that you've either been to that you would highly recommend or maybe one that is on the list that you can't wait to go and find and discover? Uh, um, Marimbula is a place that sits very close to my heart. Uh, we have family that live in Marimbula. They went on a trip around Australia and didn't come home. They bought a block of land and moved there. Uh, and it is absolutely our favourite place. Uh, we camped there and have been since I was a little kid. And so whenever we get the chance, that's and 100% would recommend going there. Fantastic. That is a very strong yes. recommendation. <laughs> and a, a lovely little town too. Yes. Right on the water there. Beautiful. Is there a piece of work that you are proud of, whether that was art or an essay or a speech or a musical piece, probably not, but a piece of work that you delivered, that you submitted, that you were particularly pleased with? Um, I have a, a current one and a, a past one. Mm-hmm. I reckon for me probably my Year 12 oral. I can't believe right. I remember back that far, but I just remember it being such a daunting experience. And so to get through that and to be able to get through it using, you know, minimal cue cards and things like that, which, which I'm, is not your way. No, <laughs> uh, was a huge thing for me. Mm. And so definitely that, but um, I recently wrote a white paper for Swiss uh, yeah. wellness and that was on um, trying to encourage the government to grant access to active transport. So um, more bike lanes and things like that around the city. And so I wrote that for them last year. So that took a long time. So that's probably my piece of work I'm most proud of. Yes, because of the commitment that you had to put into it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Wow, that's terrific. Um, Now, this might test you a little bit. Um, (laughs) If I offer the phrase Lavavi Oculus, that's our school motto, do you recall what does it mean? And then what does it mean? Yes, I do remember. And there's a couple things for me that come to mind. Um, obviously, it's I look to the hills and I just, and I know the schools change now um, visually, but I used to sit on the school steps and wait for the bus and that beautiful outlook across the oval towards the hills. That's probably the first thing that visually comes to mind for me. Um, but I have a very, very strong, well, strong faith. Um, and so for me, it, it Um, without going too deep into it, but it is, you know, the Lord is my shepherd for me um, and I always look to him for guidance and support Mm. um, whenever I need. And so that's probably the thing that comes to mind for me. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I wonder if there is a a book or a documentary or a a movie that you think is kind of a classic, a required viewing, something that you would strongly recommend. Yes, well, I love my classics, um, but I, I won't bore everyone with those. Um, but I couldn't recommend more reading the Resilience Projects book. Okay. Uh, it is just awesome. I think it's it's a fantastic book and talks a lot about what I chatted on before. But there's a podcast, um, Narrowly Meadows um, does, and she speaks with a lot of athletes. Um, and there's one with Adam Trelaw, and I think that's a must listen. It okay. is an awesome listen. That particular episode. Yes, that particular okay. episode. Uh, love my podcasts. Um, but yeah, The Resilience Project, I've recently read Where the Crawdads Sing. That's just a fiction okay. one. That's an awesome one. Okay. I'm a big reader, um, but definitely would recommend for everyone, particularly Year 12 students, to read The Resilience Project. Terrific. That is uh, a very strong and, and very good recommendation. Thank you. This podcast is called uh, Inspired by Yarra. And I wonder if you think back, what 
or who inspired you in your time at Yarra? Oh, uh, a few people. Um, the first thing that come to mind would be my family. Uh, going through private school is, you know, it's expensive and my parents, they work very, very hard. So for me, that was probably the biggest thing. I just wanted to try to get the most out of my schooling. But my teachers, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough for the teachers at Yarra and how they support their kids. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, absolutely Mr. Wallace helping me with my maths, Miss Peoples now, Miss White, Mr. Joy, I had so much to do with you, uh, Miss Carvel. So there's so many teachers um, that inspired me. Mm, that's great. That's great. And it seems to me that you are destined to continue to give to other young people in particular to help them not only with your work on, on Resilience Project and GEM and the idea of developing gratitude and empathy and mindfulness in young people, but also the idea of maybe a well-being centre, a wellness centre to help other people to travel some of the journey that you've experienced and teach some of that wisdom and that experience that you have to them and help them along the way. I think that's a beautiful um aim and target and and mission in life it's a great thing hopefully yeah I think probably the biggest thing I took away from my schooling and I know a lot of and this is probably directed year 12 students I know a lot of uh, people will say oh you know you're ATAR you forget about it and as a kid um, studying in year 12 for me it was my be all and end all but the lessons I've learned and it was a huge jump from leaving a protected community like Yarra to going out into the big wide world, it was a huge jump and I really had to do Jeez. some soul searching and um, find myself because I'd always just, you know, put my head down and focused on my studies. And so I absolutely encourage, you know, year 12, year 11, year 9, whatever, to find those co-curricular activities but also find, you know, those those mindfulness practices because, you know, you're more than your ATAR and that's probably the biggest thing. Get involved as much as you can in every other aspect of life, not just your studies. Studies are absolutely important, but there's so much more that makes up a person. Mm. So mm. That reminds me of a chapel service that I did um, maybe 12 months ago, and it was it was to our Year 11 students, and it was the, the takeaway message, the takeaway lesson, the one-liner, if you like, was you're worth more than your score. Yeah. And and you're quite right. Yes, it's a number and yes we want to do our best and yes we want to get the most out of ourselves and our learning experiences, but there is more to it than that. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I strive for this ATAR and I didn't end up needing to use it for my course. Um but and you know, it is very important set the goal, find what you want to do, find the course you want to do. Don't stop doing other co-curricular activities. You know, I kept up my tennis. It might be me playing a musical instrument, um, whatever it is, mm. uh, because it's really important that you have that holistic side um, and holistic sort of perspective on your study as well. Yeah, really important to find that. And it's not necessarily balance because we'll never actually have no balance. <laughs> yeah. But we want a bit of a few things, not just everything all in one basket, so to speak. And you know what? I find you'll get the more out of your study. I found as yeah. soon as I went, okay, I'm going to go to tennis tonight and I'm going to come home and I'm going to watch half an hour of that TV show, you go, okay, well, I've got that two hours now. Make the most of that two hours and then switch off. You'll yeah. actually be more productive. I agree. I agree. Speaking with uh, Georgia Rogers from the class of 2015, and Georgia, this is my last question. <laughs> and... 
I want you to answer the question and then I want you to answer the question. Okay. It's a bit of a tricky one. What is the question that you wished I had asked you in this conversation? And then once you know that question, please answer it. Okay. Uh, It's actually, and you sent me through a few pointers and I hope that you were going to ask me this one. It was, what do you define as success? And it ties back into what we were just talking about, because going through school for me, if you had have asked me that, it would have been, I've got to get this ATAR and I've got to, you know, do this with tennis and whatnot. Um, But for me, and it will sound a little bit cheesy, but it actually is finding what makes you happy. It wasn't until I found the things that made me really happy that you then find your passion and you find your niche and what you actually want to work in. Yeah. And that's when you become successful. Mm. So for me, that was probably the question I was hoping you'd ask me. Well, I'm glad you asked <laughs> it because I love that answer. And and once you find those things that do bring joy to you and do kind of set you alight, it actually isn't hard work. No. It takes effort and it takes commitment, but it's not as difficult because you feel motivated and you know that the outcome is going to be more happiness, more joy, more contentment, that's a worthy outcome. Oh, absolutely. Uh, When you're doing what you love, you know, when you're studying what you love, it doesn't seem like a chore. Yeah, there's always things you don't want to do, those assessments or you've got that meeting or whatever it is that you don't want to have, but that comes with everything. But Mm. if you can at least find what makes you happy in that niche and then, you know, work in that regardless of what the ATAR is you need for it, you'll be successful. Georgia, I know it feels like a long time, but it's really not been all that long since you've been here as a student, but already we're excited for uh, the future. Congratulations again for you, to you and Sam and your families oh, for the future you. that you'll uh, create together, but also we thank you here on the Inspired by Yarra podcast. Thank you for being inspired by Yarra, but also being an inspiration to Yarra. So we thank you for your time. <laughs> thank you so much, Paul. It was great catching up. And that all but wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. There is a unique set of show notes to reflect some of the observations and the recommendations that Georgia suggested and shared and left for us during this conversation. What a delightful young lady. She has uh, certainly come to know herself through lots of work, through years of work of You know, the journaling, the quiet moments, the stillness and silence, the gratitude, being mindful of who she is and where she is and her impact on others. It's terrific. And again, for me, just the reminder of how important it is not to expect a result or a a massive change straight away. But in fact, these things that are useful and helpful, and we hear lots about them these days, they are a time... Uh, an area that develops over time, that becomes a lifestyle, becomes a habit, becomes beneficial the longer, more beneficial the longer that we stick with such practices. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and have taken something away from it. If you know other people who too might benefit, then please, by all means, share it with others, share it with uh, those who also would be aware and familiar with uh, Georgia, but extending to our Yarra Old Grammarian community. I hope you'll join us next time when we uh, have another conversation with another Yarra Old Grammarian and uh, again, share their adventures and challenges and where life has taken them. 
My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everybody here who works together to put these episodes out and to share these stories with you, I want to say thank you. Thanks for joining us. By all means, share it with others. And I want to wish you another fantastic day, a day today where you go out with intentionality to make a difference in the world around you. Thank you.